0: Welcome to Hope Ahead, where we share stories of help and hope from people facing addiction and mental health challenges right here in our community. And I'm your host, Caleb Klusmeyer, along with Amy Singleton. Welcome to Hope Ahead. I'm Caleb Klusmeyer, and I'm here with Amy Singleton. What's up? What's up? And Emily Carter.
1: Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us, Emily. Glad to be here.
0: So, Emily, do you want to introduce yourself and just give us a little bit of a background?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm going to start out by um, saying that I've known Caleb a couple of years, and he's in uh, in this in an orbit of some recovery groups that I'm in, and. Um, It was a real honor to be, um, asked to do this. Uh, I have, um, I have been in my 12 step group for 17 years now. And, uh, without, without going too far far down that road, I honestly wish that I'd been involved a lot longer. Mm. And part of my recovery is my personal recovery is to not have too many regrets. Uh, but my journey in, uh, in recovery from codependency has uh, been such a important part of my life. I, for myself, I wish I had
2: started a lot earlier. Mm. I'm so glad you're here, here Emily. Um, you know, this is kind of a subject that we're not always... Uh, so surrounded by in the addiction and recovery community because the focus is so often on the addict themselves. But there is an entire population of people like you who have lived this life side by side with an addict in codependency, wanting every single way in the world to save them and not knowing how with those tools. So... Um, thank you for being here and, and sharing with those who are. If you're out there and you're listening to this podcast, you're like, I'm not an addict, but I know one. What the hell do I do now? <laughs> Emily's here to show you the path. My, Absolutely got that down, Pat.
1: My, I like to start with this story when I talk about my own recovery. Uh, I had, I had been married a couple of times and uh, been in, been in serious relationships a couple of times, and had been married and. I had a child. Mm-hmm. I was uh, visiting with my kids, my ex's mom, my kid's grandma, and she had just started. Uh, I'll am I'm not. I'll go into this a little bit later. I'm going to go ahead and say Al-Anon right up front, but then I'm going to talk about why I'm not going to talk about Al-Anon. In a <laughs> but um, she had just joined Al-Anon, and I came to her, and we had a pretty good relationship, and she said, she says, what's going on? I said, well, I've met this guy. He's just amazing. (laughs) Uh, And she said, really, tell me about him. And I said, well, he's got two jobs. He's uh, really good looking. He's fun to be around. And, you know, I just gushed. Mm. Then I got real quiet. I said, but, you know, I think he might have a problem with alcohol. I, Mm. I don't really know for sure. And then she looked at me and she goes, do you like him? And I said, I just told you that I liked him. I, I like him a lot. She goes, no, no, no. She goes, do you like him? And I said, yeah, I like him. And I'm like, where are you going with this? And she <laughs> said, she goes, do you, Emily Carter, like, the, or Emily, whatever it was back then. <laughs> <laughs> I love
3: it. And, uh, married a couple times. That's
1: and fun. she said, do you <laughs> like him? And I said, yes, what's your point? She said, I promise you, if you like him, he is an alcoholic. <laughs> like, oh. I was going to ask, was yes. there a pattern developing yes. at this point in your life? And uh, and I completely and totally ignored uh, any advice at that point and wow. barreled into this relationship. Uh, so my, my experience with codependency is that it is a parallel. It is. It does parallel with another human being's disease. But mm-hmm. the part that was difficult for me to understand in the beginning was I have the disease of alcoholism as well.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And my version of it is my drink is you.
4: Mm-hmm. My
1: drug is you.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: My uh, needs are wrapped around getting, making sure... You're happy, safe, paid for. Get up in the morning, and it took a long time for me to understand that I had the same set of um, impulses that an alcoholic or drug addict does. Mm-hmm. It just manifests in a way that it's a little more palatable to hum- humanity. Wow! I am no less sick than the alcoholic I share a bed with or give birth to, wow. and um, but mine looks a little um, looks a little. More normal, um, although generally it's the crazy codependent that's flopping around that looks like they're crazy, and the alcoholics relax in the corner, going, "What's your problem, bitch?" <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So, it took me a long time to see my own part in that. That it wasn't uh, that I had to, I had to remove my concern about how the alcoholic was going to recover. And work on my own recovery, mm-hmm. and it was. Uh, it took a long time in my program before I could. Uh, I, I honestly, without any irony, I really didn't think that I had a problem. I thought my problem was you, mm-hmm. and or him or them, mm-hmm. and it was a um, not a bitter, but a very humbling pill to swallow to start that process where I recognize my own uh, input into that situation. Wow. So so anyone that is listening and you you feel like you have a problem with an alcoholic in your life, the problem also might be yourself. Right. So
2: Yeah. What are some of those signs? What what is something, you know, if you're if you're in love with an alcoholic, but you are a codependent person.
1: So we have how do you there's know? a couple of different pieces of literature i've had an opportunity to work with and that i work with uh with a lot of other women i sponsor a lot of women some of the questions that are is asking this is that have you ever uh have you ever lied for another person Ooh. and so when i saw that i'm like i don't lie for anybody i'm i am a honest person i don't lie and then i went oh yeah oh Billy's not going to make it into work today. He doesn't feel very good. Mm-hmm. He's got a stomach bug. Well, Billy's got a hangover from three days of whatever Billy's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of the signs are um, you're, you're hypervigilant. Uh, uh, it's very similar. to I'm sure you talk about uh, trauma responses for a lot of people. That The trauma de- responses for codependency are just this overzealous Concern about other people's business. Have you ever gone to? Um, <laughs> have you ever gone around, driven around Norman or Oklahoma City, looking for somebody's car being in the parking lot of a bar or the girlfriend's house? Mm-hmm. If you if you if you do that, if you occupy yourself with what that other person is doing ahead of your own needs, um, then you might be a codependent. So um, it's it's a it's a weird, slippery thing. Again, you feel like well, I'm taking care of myself. I'm tracking this stuff down. Well, no, mm. let it, it's so hard to let the alcoholic suffer their own consequences right. and yes. not pull yourself into it and be damaged, even perhaps even worse than the alcoholic would be. So, mm-hmm. um, it's it's <laughs> it seems normal, it's not normal, it's yeah. abnormal. Yeah, but, the
2: know. worry worked. Kind of (laughs) correct,
1: and I I saw a poster on your um, one of the doors in here. It is it is not self care. Self care is taking care of your needs, making sure you are provided for. If you have children, making sure your children are provided for, instead of giving the alcoholic your last dime to go do buy whatever, and um, and then not having money for for bills. And I say this from experience, not. Just observation. Yeah. So,
3: oh, uh, go ahead.
2: Tell me about so. I'm the addict, and in, in the in my story, so I, you know, I had all these codependent people around me, like my mother and sister and other family members who cared so much, but in that primary relationship, codependency. Is the goal of the codependent to actually bring that person to actual recovery, or are they so happy existing in that chaos of constantly watching and monitoring that behavior that really the recovery isn't what they're after? Is there a is there a differentiation? In, in my that?
1: opinion, the second one is more often the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it starts from a, a point of genuine concern, mm-hmm. but then it becomes just like everything else; it becomes a habit, or the chaos is addictive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I remember going to work one time, and I what what was a normal <sighs> three day period of time for me included me overcompensating for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a bunch of little kids; they each had sporting events all weekend um, on top of everything else my ex had um, wrecked a car or something I can't remember but whatever From starting from 5 o'clock Friday night to when I had got to work Monday about 400 things had happened mm-hmm. some of them good some of them bad but I was relaying the story and I, your viewers can't see this but there is a codependent salute And imagine me putting my hand on my forehead in a woe is me thing Uh and (laughs) saying, I don't know how I got through that weekend, but I did. And I'm so glad to be at work today. Mm. And the other person saying, well, you should just you should write a book. Well, of course, my ego was inflated saying, yes, me, the sufferer, Mm. look at me putting things together. Mm. I should be patted on the back and rewarded for my Staunch behavior Mm -hmm. and um, it it was addictive. Mm -hmm. I'm so helpful and and very everyone. I'm very helpful, right? and and what and there is there is a. uh, To be fair to myself, I really was concerned about the other person, of course. But here's the part that here's the part that you don't hear in codependency. If. You, the addict, are doing what you should do. Now, mind you, the, what you should do is based on my list of what you should do. Right, right, <laughs> right. Okay? okay. Yeah. You should get up in the morning, brush your teeth, comb your hair, put clean clothes on that you helped launder, uh, get in your car that you helped pay for, and go to a job that provides support for me so that I don't have to do the financial burden all the time. And then you should call me at lunch and tell me that you're okay. You should call me before you leave work and let me know that you're going to be there. And you should ask me, is there anything I need mm-hmm. to make my day better? And then you should come home and eat, the dinner, eat a dinner with me together and go to bed and make beautiful, mad, passionate love to me. Mm-hmm. And we wake up in the morning and our children are perfect and happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you deviate from my script, it is frightening and all I want to do is pull you in closer and make you do those things that make me comfortable. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. So all while you're white knuckling your sobriety I'm, and not using. Right. So <laughs> do all that. I
1: never have I, gotcha. I, I I prior to my exposure to a 12 step program I really didn't give a lot of thought to what the terror that you were suffering on your own. I just had mm-hmm. my own terror. Yeah. And of I course. had I had to if if you did anything outside of that script, it made me angry, but most importantly, it scared me so bad. Mm-hmm. I really didn't want you to die. I wished you would um just to to give me some peace. Mhm. But I never, one time, gave a thought to what you were experiencing in in the manner of an addict. Mm-hmm. All I had was my own fear. Mm. Oh so,
2: my gosh. ooh, that hits. So, that hits my gut right here, Emily. Mm,
1: <laughs> so, mm. your mother, your sisters, the people, whatever family mm. members that you have that were pulling and suggesting. I'm a big suggestion, you know. Mm maybe Caleb if you would get up in the morning about 20 minutes early and brush your teeth and have a nice breakfast and maybe read the bible your day will go a lot better mm-hmm. well i'm talking to someone that can barely yeah get up in the mor- get up in the morning more or less mm-hmm. uh, f- function in a in a manner um One of the greatest gifts I gave myself in um, the early stages of my own recovery, and I do call it recovery, Mm -hmm. I had to, I had to recover my humanity. I had to recover my, (coughs) my dreams. I had to recover my integrity. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I ever really had any integrity in the sense of self-awareness. Excuse me. But one of the greatest gifts I gave myself was start was going to open um, AA meetings. And I actually did it, um, and to my husband that may be listening, this is a confession. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the reason that I went was so I could make sure he would go to more AA meetings. Mm-hmm. So we would go to open AA meetings, and it was like... Maybe you know I've heard that if we go to meetings together, that would be helpful. Mm-hmm. And all I wanted to do was make sure he was going to meetings. I it had nothing yeah. early on had to, to do with my own recovery.
2: But boy, so, did you learn? In that so room. what I finally <laughs> learned
1: is I got to, I got to be impartial about this person standing at the podium who I mm-hmm. didn't know, mm-hmm. and I got to I had distance from my uh, responsibility to them. Mm-hmm and for the first time i got to hear that pain that mm-hmm. agony that sadness that fear mm-hmm. that the recklessness the um that and it finally dawned on me that there was no words ever that i could say to an alcoholic to to cure them there was it because if right. it could have been said i had already said it yeah, yeah. if my love or my <sighs> my uh, machinations could cure someone, it already would have. Yeah. yeah. And there were bodies in my wake. You know, mm. I mean, I just left behind. Um, relationships had ended because of the other person's addiction and my my part of the disease. And wow. um, so, again, for anyone listening, um, the the best gift as a codependent you can give yourself is to find some kind of recovery. I have the way that worked for me and, um, and I will happily leave my telephone number here at the end of the program. And if anyone wants to call and talk to me, I absolutely will take a phone call and and talk to anybody about that. But also, uh, if you're on the fence, go sit in on an AA meeting somewhere. If you're a codependent, go to an open AA meeting, go to a big There's a billion clubhouses in um, Oklahoma City and Norman. Mm -hmm. You can go and sit anonymously in the back of a room and listen to these people whose lives have just been destroyed by drugs and alcohol and get some perspective on your own life. And um, it's... um, um, I have a lot of... I'm very devoted to my recovery and... Um, in my program, the suggestions that are made to me about staying with that recovery, I take them all very seriously. I, I have a sponsor, I sponsor people, I go to, um, I have dedicated meetings, I um, participate in a, um, in the administrative part, I volunteer. um, And um, I'm very busy with my own recovery. And just like Alcoholics and drug addicts are suggested, what, right. whatever method, um, it's the same thing for codependency. And it's a lifelong thing. There's not going to be a day that comes that I can look in the mirror and say, well, shoot, I'm done. Everything's good. You know, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to do this all my life. And I'm glad. Yeah. You know? So,
0: what are some big things that you've learned? Or what would you say is the biggest thing that you have learned through a codependent program?
1: Um, I'm going to put it bluntly, and that is just to keep my effing mouth shut. <laughs> and, um, and that's a big battle for me, and I laugh about it. Um, I'm, I am currently married to a very, very smart man. Uh, he's an attorney. His job is to argue with people, <laughs> and uh, and so from the very beginning, I had to step my game up because uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lose, right. and he's not going to lose. And you can imagine how some of those arguments, yeah. uh, have great. gone. And um, we have there's a lot of acronyms that people use. You know, um, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Mm-hmm. Um, on the beam, off the beam, things like that. But, but the keeping my mouth shut thing, I I thought that was a suggestion. It is not a suggestion. It <laughs> is, it is paramount for me to do a little bit of thinking before I continue to open my mouth. And the first time that I saw it in action, I was I was um, I'm so. Uh, um, this sounds like I'm bragging. My intelligence was a uh, was crippling to me mm-hmm. in recovery. Mm. I I outsmarted it. I analyzed it. I figured it out. And I didn't put my heart in it um, to begin with. And I, quite honestly, the first... Um, my husband and I have been married uh, two years, and we had two wonderful, amazing years of um, absolute, total... Devotion to ourself and our diseases mm. while we blended seven children together. Yeah. We had wow. two families. Yeah. But we had two years of absolute perfect bliss for two out of nine people that were in that house. And um, the whole thing came to a crash uh, when that stopped working. And it wasn't, there wasn't, there was some gradual things leading into it and i had a sick feeling things weren't perfect and then we had a pretty serious event in our family that resulted in my husband screaming at one of my kids at the top of his lungs in an alcoholic stupor and chasing her away mm. and it was traumatic and and dramatic and um the following morning he called um AA and the following morning I called a counselor that I'd been seeing that had been very gently suggesting that I I do a 12-step program as well. And and in the first few years of um, my recovery, I was in shock. Um, And I'm honestly glad I had that experience. I... um, that freight train had been going for 40-something years. And if it had, uh, I mean, when it came to it, it was a crash. It was a total crash. It took me about two years to kind of get my feet back on the ground. Um, and then it took me about another five years to absorb the program and the message of, of my own recovery. So it was about seven years in, uh, we were in our kitchen having a fight. I used to remember what the fight was about because that's how I roll. um, (laughs) But we were having a big fight, just a big fight. And uh, my normal method of fighting is to, first of all, kindly and then very forcefully make sure that you knew that I was right. And (laughs) it was... I had all the facts, I had the experience. I probably could have given you a pie chart, chart or a graph. <laughs> I got a spreadsheet and for you here yes, right here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Look at this, you know. I'm and, right. and I had examples of your behavior from the past that I could pull out and say, mm-hmm. look at this, look at this. This is what we've had to do because of you. Mm-hmm. So I was in the about the middle of that and somewhere way deep, 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 deep in my tiny little brain, some little tiny light flickered and said, what would happen if you didn't fight back? Now, the mm-hmm. first thing that happened to me when that little light came on is I burst into tears mm-hmm. because what it felt like, and I don't know if this is the same for an alcoholic or a drug um, addict, is it felt like that the very thing that gave me life was taken away from me. So my inability to express myself the way that had as a character asset had kept me alive all this mm-hmm. time now looked like a character <sighs> defect. Yeah. And I was paralyzed mm-hmm. and I sat and looked at my husband and was just, I, I couldn't speak. Mm hmm.
2: Yeah,
4: I can tell you from
2: the perspective of of the addict, that is exactly how we feel. When our solution, what's always worked for us, is taken away, and we don't know how to live soberly without the substance and make decisions and have feelings without that, and we need a new way, a new solution, we feel exactly that helpless.
1: It was horrible. Mm -hmm. I don't know what my face looked like, but, (laughs) but this is how he responded. He goes, oh, Now you're going to give me the silent treatment. Oh, gosh. And I was, again, it just, I I walked out of the room, went into the bedroom, and flung myself on the, I cried harder than I had cried in Mm -hmm. decades because Mm -hmm. I felt like I had been gutted, just gutted. And it was so, such a relief, eventually. It was such a relief that I could, um that that's never what it had been about. Um, and, and being myself was really learning who I really was not as a, um, mirror to the other person or as a, even as a, um, you know, I'd like to be romantic and go, we're soulmates. <laughs> and no, we are very much in love, but your soul is one thing and my soul is another. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was a real pivotal moment for me was just to keep my, just honestly, just keeping my mouth shut. No opinion, mm-hmm. no suggestions, no why don't we try it this way or even whatever the extreme of yelling or, which I was pretty good at too. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that was a really, that was probably the biggest thing for me.
2: What's that timeline where, where are we at in your journey at that point? So or how many years um, has it been? Since we, then?
1: when we put, when we put, um, our families together, that was 2004. Mm-hmm. We both got into recovery in 2006 and then again for me, it was five to seven years of of, and I, I did what I was supposed to do. I went to my meetings. Mm-hmm. I I didn't start sponsoring people during that time. Thank goodness for those people <laughs> uh, because I didn't know what. I, I honestly, uh, it wasn't just that I was going through the motions. It just wasn't. I wasn't getting there. And yeah. you know, there's a cute little saying that they say in twelve step: keep coming back. It works with if you work it. And I would stick my finger down my mouth and gag. I'm like, oh, that's so gross. And it, actu- <laughs> it actually is the truth. I mean, that's what it took for me was just to keep coming back and seeing, you know. And then little by little, um, I started uh, getting involved um, with my groups and sponsoring people. I've always had a sponsor. So, um but it, but it took, um, so like I said, we just both have 17 years and it took that first seven years for me to just, I call it in my, my head, I call it unthaw. I mean, I was mm. just locked up yeah. Yeah. into that behavior for so long. That's a great word. Um, one of the things I, I, I did want to say about, uh, recovery, I have, An opportunity to sponsor a lot of women that are, the language is double winners, that they are alcoholics that um, get sober, get physically sober, get some, a little bit of emotional sobriety, but their lives still aren't working in some way.
3: Mm.
1: And their sponsor banishes them to a codependency program. Mm. And I get a lot of phone calls from women that um, I'm sober. Why, am I, why is my life still messed up? And um, I think that trauma response, um, all I can talk about, Caleb, is my experience with women. I only sponsor women. But I think the trauma response uh, for a lot of women involves the, and I'm not a counselor, I'm not a professional, involves that early on to be able to live in the world that they live in that drugs and alcohol are a relief for the situation that they're in. Yeah. And I my again my personal opinion is a lot of times these women their underlying issue is a codependency issue and it just gets clouded by drugs and alcohol and that becomes a primary impetus. And so mm-hmm. when the drugs and alcohol are taken away, yeah, we still have a that shit crazy situation, Ugh. and yeah. um, and I have a lot. I have a lot of compassion for women who are addicts and alcoholics and other icks. Um, <laughs> that mm-hmm. um, that there's more to the story than just getting just removing the drugs and the alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, I was curious what kind of what kind of recovery methods you all might have for codependency where from where you are and is it something that is it something that is dealt with at this level as much as just as far chemical? as chemical uh,
0: excuse me uh, as far as us as an agency so a lot of times we refer out to support groups and whether it's parents helping parents or, you know, of course, Al-Anon, um, that sort of thing. And, um, we do offer, we get a lot of calls from parents who are just an up in arms and they don't know what to do with their kid or a wife that doesn't know what to do or, you know, even a husband. And, um, We can actually see them for therapy for up to, I believe it's six sessions before we would have to refer out because it has to do with, there's like red tape where we can only see folks, um, through our contracts with the department of mental health who have, uh, substance use disorder, um, clinical substance use disorder diagnosed. Um, we are, however, Moving towards uh, a certification that will allow us to also see folks just for solely mental health, yes. And so that would allow us to, let's say, there's a family member who does want to come to therapy, but there's no substances involved, and they're just struggling <laughs> with another family, or you know, their life is like you said, batshit crazy. Right. Um. <clears throat> you know. But one thing you mentioned is. I think Amy mentioned it at the beginning is like codependency (laughs) kind of goes hand in hand with alcoholism as well. Even, even for males, you know, and I've, I've had the quote unquote pleasure or the, you Mm. know, of being on both sides of the fence, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I was, um, a part of the home group, um, with Bob whenever I was in a very codependent relationship and was on that other side of the fence. Um, you know, it was hell. Um, and I, you know, I, I tried everything, you know, being that, uh, excuse me, overbearing person, you need to do this, you need to do that. I've tried to, you know, be mean and you should do this or why do you do this? Or, You know, and I've even tried, I even tried, you know, not caring, you know, and like Mm -hmm. you do, you know, and then it got so bad to where we were, we were basically living separate lives. We just lived in the same house together and had a child together, Um, you know, and that's kind of where things ended. But, um, you know, I think also what... Uh, substance specific 12-step groups, whether it be AA or NA, um, you know, at the, at the core of all those programs are these principles that, that, that we're really hitting on, you know, and um, whenever you were talking about not fighting back in that argument, it really made me think of acceptance. You were, Correct. you know, in, in kind of controlling that and, you know, controlling, but, um, just acceptance, you know, and that's come up a lot in my life here recently. Some of the meetings I've been going to actually a lot of them, the topic has been acceptance, um, you know, in some way, shape or form. And that is a huge key to my sanity. And, you know, there's so many things that in these 12 step programs or recovery programs that tie together. You can't have one without the other, you know, whether it's an idea or a principle or whatever. You know, in acceptance for me, I have to be working some type of program, spiritual program, <clears throat> and doing other things to make acceptance more easily accessible. Um, and when I'm not doing those things, it then becomes even harder for me to accept things um you know and acceptance doesn't mean that necessarily it's okay but it's like you know i can't control this i can't control this situation Mm -hmm. you know and that cheesy again with the with the sayings that make you want to throw up and gag yourself. <laughs> yeah, I know it's terrible. It's funny because I make stone. fun, of, I yeah. make fun of them all the time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I get you there too. But, um, you know, the serenity prayer, you know, right. I- accepting the things that I cannot change, um, you know, and the courage to know the difference of those things. Um, you know, and, and as people in recovery, we say those things all the time without even really examining what does that mean? But that, to me, like, that's ex- what you described in that situation of not fighting back. That is exactly what it means is, mm-hmm. you know, that acceptance. I didn't, I can't do anything about this, you know, and it sucks. But, but like, right. It, and, you know, and I'm not, I'm not going to fight it, you know, and that's where we make ourselves crazy. Um, mm-hmm. That delusion of control.
1: And control is a very, very big part of... Um... Codependency. I am. I am most comfortable in my own skin when all of you are doing what I think you should. Do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I am most <laughs> right. relaxed. Um, it's a. It's a type of drug for me, and one of the things that I've ha- had to. And you. You brought up spirituality, which I think is important. Um, let go and let God. One of the things that I have to do is uh, the acceptance part of it is for me to allow you to be comfortable in your own skin, no matter what it looks like to me. Um, and it is, uh, my my drug gets taken away from you when, gets taken away from me when you're not acting right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason I asked that question and I, I feel very, I feel very, str- I have to think about my codependency in some, sometimes in some very strict visual ways. And when I talk about, uh, when I'm particularly talking to, to girls new to the program is for you, the drug addict, the alcoholic, there's a thing that you do. You pick a Drug up, you put it in your mouth, in your body, you pick up a drink, you put it in your mouth. For me, my drug, the the glass of my drug is a human body. Yeah. And I can't, short of going to a deserted island, I cannot... Rem- it's like um, my heart really goes out to people who, with food addictions. Mm-hmm. We cannot not have yeah. food. right? Um, oh, yeah. But... Um, I cannot pick my child up and put it down and walk away from. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So by the time that I had kids and I'm already so entrenched in this uh, dysfunction of mine yeah. and not aware that it's a dif- dysfunction, um, I just thought I was a busy, overworked parent. Eventually I became a single parent of four kids um, and went on like that for about 10 years. and the things that I did to to survive that not um, not in a street way, but in a just getting up you know, I would have to be at work at four o'clock in the morning, still get kids to school, blah 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 blah. and um, I I absolutely destroyed my any sort of normalcy for myself by just plugging along. And I did not have a spiritual program. I had chosen a church. I thought that that was an answer. I I was always looking for a solution. Interestingly, Mm -hmm. when we talk about uh, the trajectory of how we wind up doing or not doing things, I had always been looking for what I eventually found in a recovery program. And I called it a lot of different things. I called it uh, a relationship. I called it sex. I called it having children. I called it having, you know, quote, a good job. Um, but, but it never did satisfy me. And um, it took this tragedy, you know, a lot of tragedies for me to be in a point where I could just sit still and say, there is there I do have a higher power my high, despite the insanity um my higher power has got me actually to this very moment in this chair is a is a component of my higher powers uh, me me allowing my higher power to do what they need to do instead of me making a checklist for my higher power yeah. which is <laughs> hey take care of this take care of this yeah. and um so i I've always struggled with that thought of not that it's better or worse, but I cannot put you on a shelf and walk away from you. If I have some attachment to you, if I love you, whatever commitment I've made with myself about my relationship to you, yeah. I can't walk away from you and and you experience that with um with your relationship. And it, and it hurts you. We call al- codependents codependence, call alcoholics, selfish and self-centered. Here's the part. Another fun saying is if you spot it, you got it. Yeah. So am I any less selfish or self-centered than you are? And the answer is no, because my selfish and self-centeredness means I just, I want that same ease and comfort, mm-hmm. right? But it means you have to do, <laughs> you have to do what I want you to do
4: mm-hmm.
1: and, or, or stay out of my vision or heart with whatever shenanigans you have going on. Yeah. And then, um, or I'm just as miserable as you looking for my next fix. Are yeah. you, you know, when are you going to do the thing? How are mm-hmm. you going to do the thing? Why Why did you do this? And it's it's just as relentless as the pursuit of a high. Yeah. And um, it's it's selfish and self-centered. I don't want to be hurt because of you. Mm-hmm.
2: Here's an interesting so. question. What happens to someone, a codependent person, Who's had a series of alcoholics or you know addicts in their life, um, who is not, who, who maybe the addicts and alcoholics have recovered in their life, but that person no longer has an alcoholic or an addict in their life to serve, and they have also not gotten help. What does that look like in their life? Terrible. It's just terrible, and it's um, uh, just
1: like a relationship won't maybe won't survive. Uh, just the opposite, if. The codependent gets healthy. They maybe cannot live with active alcoholism. Yeah. And if an alcoholic gets gets healthy, they can't live with a, a batshit crazy codependent. It's yeah. it's horrible. And, and just like an alcoholic, whatever the percentages are for alcoholics, I'm sure it's the same percentage for codependency. If you take that... What happens, I think, and this is when we go outside of just normal talk about recovery, is the ego gets so involved, in that and that addiction to chaos, that the codependent creates chaos, oftentimes mm. creates chaos.
2: They just make stuff up to be and, worried
1: about, or or everything <laughs> becomes an ordeal. Um, I have seen relationships break up because the codependent did not get healthy, mm. um, and. One of the things I do tell codependents is that I don't know how it works. I honestly don't know how it works. But I believe this. If you, the the codependent, if I get healthy, if I take care of myself, which are brand new concepts for codependency, Mm -hmm. if I take care of me, the situation automatically improves. Now, what you have to be careful for is you can't randomly pick Go to your list and go, I want this to happen. I want this to happen. But oftentimes when a codependent chooses to get healthy, sometimes the alcoholic goes, maybe I should quit drinking or taking drugs. Mm -hmm. Or maybe all it is is that switch in the way you observe your life and that acceptance that you were talking about. Maybe you say, I love this person. They're an alcoholic. We're going to have a hard time, but I'm going to live with this the way it is. And I'm going to do what uh, a really famous story um, that goes around in codependent groups is there was a gal that the husband got drunk, would just get drunk and come home drunk, maybe run the car into the to the driveway Um fall down in the driveway, and she would go and get him and pull him in because didn't want the neighbors to know that we had a drunk in the house. Mm-hmm. And um, she'd pull him up onto the couch and cover him up. And um, so she, she gets healthy. She starts going to a 12-step program. She starts taking care of herself. The husband comes home um, and gets makes it into the house and passes out in the living room. And so her solution is she just goes and puts a blanket over him where he is and tells the kids, step over dad on your way out the door. Because you can't, where she would always try to hide it and pull him out so the kids wouldn't see and, you know, it's just like your dad's drunk on the floor. Don't step on him. You know, here's your lunch. Mm -hmm. And so there's this acceptance of eventually of this is the way it's going to be. The sky is blue. It's raining. We live in Oklahoma. The wind's going to blow something over. And Dad's asleep, drunk on the floor, Cover him up with a blanket. Mm. And um, it's just the situation gets better. Does he stop drinking? Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But you start feeling better about right. yourself mm. and about the situation. <clears throat> and uh, And that is the kind of core thing for codependency is – Um, I think it's Melody Beatty that has a book, Codependent No More. That's because you've removed that other person from the decisions you make about your own well-being. Yeah, And it doesn't mean that I stop loving you or stop caring about you or folding your laundry, but I don't base my life on what you're doing and when you're doing it and how you're doing it. And Mm. I start paying attention to myself. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, you know, a trick question you can play on codependence is to ask them a series of personal questions, which is, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite movie? What would, you, if you were going to go on a vacation, where would you go? And a lot of time, a codep- well, uh, Billy likes to go to, no, no, no. <laughs> where would you, you go, go on a vacation? vacation? Yeah. They don't know. Right. Yeah. And they don't know. They honestly yeah. cannot answer those yeah. questions. Really That's simple, so basic things, yeah. you know? So, mm-hmm. and for me, the color is red. The places go back to Italy. And um, I've got a list of favorite movies if you're interested. So <laughs> I know myself now, yes. you know? And I don't have to uh, depend on another person to know what is the right thing for me. So.
0: Right. I think also, <coughs> real quick, I want to say this and then ask you about something else, but um, from the addict's perspective, you know, as someone who's gotten sober um, and is in recovery, whenever you're doing things like dragging the the dad, you know, and you're essentially saving him from, or robbing him from possibly an experience Mm -hmm. that may get him sober. And that's the way I have always had it preached to me is you know, we have to have our experiences as addicts and alcoholics, even if they're, you know, horrible and not pleasant. Um, but, you know, I have to experience that pain and that, you know, everything that comes with that the because that could, <laughs> you know, that that could be what, what drives me to start recovery. Absolutely.
1: So when I sponsor women, um, particularly women with children that are, um, that have addictions, one of the first questions, one of the first things that I talk about is, um, and I've done this from the very beginning, which is um, let's talk about the worst thing that could happen. And the worst thing that can happen that's so hard to talk about is that your child could die Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons because of this. Mm -hmm. And I said I think it's important to um, entertain that thought and not let it uh, destroy you, but let it inform you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have the discussion about um, enabling. Now, I am an enabler in every aspect of my life with people it's it's my go-to thing it's my disease is to enable um if there if there were a bowl of candy on the table i would figure out what is your favorite caleb well you have all of you have all of the peeps you can eat all of the peeps today you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um and it's it's just as hard to get rid of as as a chemical addiction yeah um My husband and I put together seven kids, and a thing that we're cautioned about in a recovery program is to not take another person's inventory. So I'm going to do a little bit of that because this is my opinion and my experience with my family. Um, All seven of those children suffer from the disease of alcoholism in some way. And although I am very um, firmly involved in my own recovery program, sometimes it's easier for me to just think of it as dysfunction. Um, our our children suffer from the disease of dysfunction. Every biological component of their makeup, there is someone that is either as sick as I am my way or as sick as their whatever their alcoholic side is on both of these families that we put together. So all seven of these children, little children were exposed to dysfunction in mm-hmm. some form or fashion. And it's manifested in their lives, um, personally, just like mine did. So some of our kids have some problems with drugs and alcohol. Some of them have trouble with relationships and getting along in the world. And some of them have a little bit of both. And um, so nobody wants to see their child suffer. Nobody wants to see. No one in their right mind that isn't effed up on something else wants to see their children suffer. And um, so there was a lot of enabling going on all across the board. Um, And I do believe that I am responsible for crippling my children by trying so hard to take care of them um, some of it fell by the wayside when my when I started when I got involved in my program and some of it I still was you know here and there you know here's 20 bucks you know don't do you're having a hard time I'll pay your electric bill and um, thank God we weren't millionaires because <laughs> we, honestly we I, I, I believe we would have killed these children mm-hmm. right off the bat you know so um, but one of, um, one of our kids, um, my daughter Katie, really had a hard time with drugs and alcohol. And she did have some codependency problems. Um, she became a victim of drugs and alcohol by purchasing fentanyl-laced um, Xanax mm. and was killed in a heartbeat um, about um, a year ago. We're coming up on a year anniversary. And, um, honestly, as close as six months ago, I could not have this conversation that we're having now. Mm I, um, I'm either on or off on it. And if I go off, it's off, you know, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I, I take this, I take this uh, opportunity very seriously and. For people that are codependents like myself, I think the best gift you can give your child is to love them to whatever extreme you need to and let them fail. Now, Mm -hmm. Katie had a lot of opportunities, and she did have consequences. She had a couple of consequences. And for whatever reason, recovery wasn't her journey. And um, she was smart, And thought she had the whole thing figured out. And uh, she made a fatal error. Um, Katie was not a street junkie kind of person. She was functional. Um, She was well-loved. Her um, absence in this world is um, big. Um, But I did not want her to suffer. And there were a lot of times... I held on a little too tight. I am not the reason that my daughter died. Mm. An unscrupulous drug dealer did something criminal. And he is paying the consequences for that. And um, And that will... Um, those are his consequences. And um, I'm not going to have to do a lot for him to have some pretty serious uh, consequences. He was charged with murder, and we're going through a murder trial, which is mm. not... Um, not happy. It's not a happy time for our family. We have a close and loving family and um we're all all on board with whatever the outcome needs to be for this young man who I feel at my um uh, basic level I have compassion for the person mm-hmm. but there are consequences. Mm-hmm. And um and my suggestion to anyone out there um, whether you're, you have an addiction or whether you are codependent is that the best gift gift you can give yourself and your family is to find some kind of solution. Um, uh, and it's always for all of you out there <laughs> that don't believe this, that you're right, but it is always a spiritual solution that helps. And I, I don't care where you find it. Maybe, maybe you're a buddhist maybe you're muslim maybe you find it in a baptist church and hopefully you find it in a recovery program there's so many there are so many resources um i make i'm i'm excited about the work that you all do here it's um it is above and beyond a job um and i know that For every minute that you guys give to uh, this being work, it is also a mission. Mm -hmm. I don't even have to know you all to know it's a mission, and um, um, and it's vital. And I'm um, not a preacher; I'm not preaching. But yes, you are, girl. Bring it. Come on. (laughs) Amen and hallelujah. Uh, Bring it on. uh, Great. My husband and I we have a recovery um, meeting at our house. It started out as a AA meeting, and we've, we're exploring a couple of other different types of recovery. Um, we've done some Buddhist, um, there's some great Buddhist recovery resources out there. Uh, we, we stay, we are so involved in our programs that it's um, not even funny. Uh, you know, a lot of times I hear people going, well, AA and recovery's not any fun. Oh, my gosh, I walked in the door of this place, and walked right into the arms of someone that I met in recovery. And my heart was just, uh, if I had any doubts about why I was here, just being able to see that person, I could have turned around, I could have turned around walked out and had had a great day, but Mm -hmm. I'm glad I sat down here. But uh, my recovery is um, joyful. Um, Mm -hmm. I hate that my daughter is dead. I hate it. And it... Um it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me but I have a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of joy and I have um so many people that have made this journey um this last 365 days amazing. Um I'm going to tell a sweet story about the gentleman that will go unnamed that's in this office that I walked into his arms this last Thanksgiving. I had put something up on Facebook, which has been a blessing for me. Um, I know for some people it's controversial, but I put something up about, it was kind of bittersweet that, um, it was the beginning of, um, how the holidays and we love holidays and Katie loved holidays. And she was, <laughs> her favorite thing about Thanksgiving was food. Give me the food, mm. put the food in front of me. She was a crazy girl. Uh, you all would have, you in particular would have loved her. She was a lovely alcoholic and a lovely codependent <laughs> as well. And um, and literally the life of the party. So I put something up early Thanksgiving morning and uh, just that it was kind of be kind of bittersweet and again we're getting ready to walk into our first Thanksgiving our first Christmas first New Year's we'd already we'd had we'd gone through her birthday but for some reason or another it was kind of sad for me so and I'm sure I put a picture of Katie up because that's just what I do we had some people oh um some of the kids were already there early. We do, a, we do a morning thing. We do a weird breakfast thing for part of the family, and then we do the turkey thing for the rest of the family, and it's it works. But one of the kids said, there's somebody at the door. And I'm like, of course there is. There, I mean, there, there's supposed to be people at the door, right? And in walks your coworker and his wife and best friend, and they drove all the way up to Oklahoma, the farthest part of Oklahoma City, From Norman, just to say that they loved us Mm. and um, had no expectations of eating, but of course we fed them. And I didn't have that in my life before recovery. I had um, sadness and fear, agony, um, so worried all the time, always had a pit in my stomach. Mm. And um, I don't have that with, um, with my recovery. I we're not, we're supposed to be about attraction, not promotion about these things. But if I could stand on a rooftop and mm-hmm. point you you, the three of us know that there are more people that have some version of this disease than do not. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would challenge every single one of them to, um, to do something for themselves and and find the peace that we found. Mm -hmm. And um, it's crazy.
0: So uh, we normally end each podcast um, with asking, what is your hope ahead?
1: Continued um, awareness uh, for myself i i take the spirituality part of this very seriously uh and conversely the acceptance of it means i don't have to worry about it i don't worry about my spirituality i have a i have a a faith in my higher power that i don't have to mess with anymore i don't have to worry about it So my hope for the future is to, uh, for myself to continue to grow spiritually. And I know that that, I know that that will happen. It happens every single day. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, for the immediate future, um, I will continue to be a champion for my daughter. It doesn't, um, selfishly, I wish she were here, but Nothing has, her death has not changed how I love her. Mm -hmm. So Mm
3: -hmm.
1: being a champion for her as we move forward with this murder trial means that I have to be uh, diligent and thoughtful and uh, make sure that the rest of the world has a respect for her. Mm -hmm. So that's my immediate hope. And um, in the we are the world, kumbaya thing, I, I truly hope that um, anyone listening to this makes some kind of contact with somebody if they're struggling. Uh, again, I'm going to leave my telephone number if there's anyone out there that um, wants to talk to somebody about codependency. Um, I there are a lot of resources. Um, I hope that that you have them available for people that call. Um, I would happily provide some for you all if you don't have them.
0: What's your number? Do you want to go ahead and...
1: Sure, 405-314-3519. And my name is Emily. And uh, if I can't help you, I'll try to find somebody that can
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Hope Ahead, where we share stories of help and hope for those facing addiction and mental health challenges right here in our community. You can find more information about The Virtue Center by visiting www.thevirtuecenter.org or we're on Instagram and Facebook.